Welcome to School of Everything Else. Bojack Horseman. This is an overview of all three current seasons of the superb Netflix show BoJack Horseman. We understand that most of you won't have seen it, so we're going to give you a taste of how it is first. And then if it sounds like your thing, go watch it and then come back to us. This week we're going to begin by talking about the show in a non-spoilery way, and then we're going to do an overview of season one that we'd advise you to actually go and see season one first. So then come back and listen to the second half of this show. And next week, we're going to be doing overviews of Seasons 2 and 3, with Season 4 to follow at some point, very likely. So we won't discuss the stuff that happens in later seasons in these earlier sections. We'll try to, like, uh, what would be the word? Like, airlock it. So, you know, you'll be have to, like, you're safe to then go to, through to the next season. You know, we'll, we'll give you fair warning with music. With us are... Caro Nagisa, who has featured on previous podcasts including Big Trouble in Little China and Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan and Star Trek Twelve Into Darkness and Star Trek Thirteen Beyond. Hello, Caro. Hooray, an introduction. <laughs> and uh, pedigree now. Also with us is Caro's other half, possibly better half, Debbie Morse. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Debbie, for the first time. Also for the first time is a listener named Maya Lisa, who, uh, did you first start listening when we covered Fast and Furious, or were you listening before that? I believe I was listening before that. It was, I think you guys had We Hate Movies on as guests at one Mm. point, and somehow I I found you by way of them, and that's when I started listening. Right, well that may have been way after we actually recorded it, but that was the very beginning of Digital Drift, the uh, show we did before School mm-hmm. Movies. So that's that's been you got he had quite a few episodes to listen back to. Uh, Maya is coming at this from a slightly different perspective to most of our listeners, in that you kind of work in Hollywood, so you've kind of been to the puppet show and seen the strings, which is very important for both. Exactly. So uh, you are yes. a major credit to this episode. Thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you very much for having me. I've been kind of dying to talk about BoJack because I don't, like, no one that I know has really watched it, so I just want to talk about it to other people. What happened mm. was when my arm went haywire a couple of months, uh, was it now, like, eight weeks ago, the, nearly, yeah. Towards the end of July. End of, yeah, so coming on for two months ago, I was then sofa-bound, and I'd watched a big bit of the beginning of the first episode, decided it wasn't really for me, and I thought, because uh, BoJack season three had just come out, people were the couple of people who do watch it were saying that season was fantastic. I was like, well, okay, let's give BoJack a chance. And I just ate the whole thing in a few days. And I got about halfway through season three and I was like, okay, Sharon, you've got to sit down and watch this with me. And then we went all the way through and then we finished off season three. And I was devastated by the end. 
Um, <laughs> and okay, this show will devastate you, folks. Uh, repeatedly, repeatedly. Uh, we're not going to spoil exactly why, but it's it's hard going. I'm not going to like. Oh, we'll just straight out of the gate on this. This is a hard going show. It is not as fantastic a comedy as it is a drama, and that completely blindsided me because the way when you start off, it just seems like. Um, like sort of the array of movie of, of animated sh- series that have come out since Family Guy that take things in a sort of more adult direction. And I think the, the nostalgia <laughs> critic pointed out that it seems like it's mostly shock humor. And he used the bit where Bojack, um, being asked about commitment at a level crossing, tips over a baby carriage and runs away. Just, um, <laughs> just to sort of like exemplify how that kind of crass humor it might be mistaken as just that. It is so much more than that. It is a searing indictment of hollywood and the cult of celebrity and it's fascinating and it contains some characters that you first off think oh these guys are assholes but then after a while you think i'm kind of an asshole too and i see myself in these guys and (laughs) then even if they're assholes you want good things to happen to them so that when bad things happen uh, it hurts and then you find yourself hurting more for them and it's it's a weird experience for me and i I think i managed Mm to um pin it down to I can and I said this in a couple of weeks ago um, when we were recording I can't remember what it was but I can watch the most depressing thing ever as long as the characters in it want to be better people if they don't and if they just don't give a fuck I, I disengage and it's very hard for me to watch and even though it is hard going to watch I get that Bojack wants to be a better person and you know it's as exemplified yeah. by something that happens at the end of season one he at least wants that. And that was the hook. I think by the end of season one, I was like, right, I am totally on board now. Mm. There's also something about, for me, um, there's something about the way it uses the, the visual style, which is ostensibly very simplistic, um, and the, uh, the music mm. particularly, This is going to sound like I'm overstating. To me, this is art. There is something incredibly artistic about the way it Mm. communicates the feelings Mm. behind what's going on. They're conveying emotion, most definitely. Exactly. Regardless of how ridiculous the dialogue can get or how convoluted and silly the situations that they find themselves in, there can be... um, a way somebody's eyes are drawn mm-hmm. in a particular frame that just gets an ache across that I haven't seen in so many supposedly more professionally done mm. um, animated shows. Watch out for when a character holds their arm across their body to cradle their other arm. That is a shorthand they use in multiple different characters for whenever they're feeling vulnerable or um, caught off guard. Mm. It's it's really effective for getting across how they're hurting, but not saying that Um, this is a show about pain. Um, So now that we've got got you all champing at the bit uh, to uh, watch it. This is a comedy, right? It it is a comedy in quotation marks. Let's let's talk about the core characters and then we can like, we can send people off to go watch it after that. Cause let's sort of introduce them first. Uh, the, The premise is, uh, Bojack Horseman, who you'll have seen like in images all over Twitter and when people talk about this, is well. First off, there are, it is a world populated by both humans and 
humanoid animals, but no one ever remarks on it. There's there's no sociological reason for it. It's just a thing. And they they are animals that occasionally have uh, predilections that the animals would have. Like, for example, a, a humanoid cat has a particular predilection towards fish, but they aren't... It's not like a constant series of cat puns, and um, mm. although there are puns in there, especially on the news. Ring the alarm. Irreplaceable pop icon and independent woman Beyonce has been injured. What more can you give us? Details are sketchy at this point, but we do know Beyonce is a survivor, and presumably she will keep on surviving. But what happened? Well, Tom, I'm being told she fell on all the single dollars. All the single dollars? All the single dollars. All the single dollars? All the single dollars. Bills, bills, bills. But uh, it's, it's... They do a lot of clever visual things with yeah. the animals yeah. occasionally and it's usually very subtle it's yeah. just but it's not you know, like zootopia oh. and everybody exactly hands and feet you don't yeah. bojack doesn't have hooves mm. no. you don't yeah. have um carolyn complaining yeah. about her lack of opposable thumbs and he's not a metaphorical horse although there is an aspect of that that i want to explore later on about the 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 horsey side of bojack himself but um yeah the the premise is it's 2016 or 15, I think 2014 when season one starts. And um, back in the 90s, Bojack was in a very famous TV show. It was called Horsin' Around. And it was just a, just a crappy situation comedy that ran for nine seasons. So while he says back in the 90s, it started firmly in the 80s and ran to 96. So it would have been like 87. Yeah. For- it's basically full house. Yeah. Yeah, it feels very full house. This Santa Claus guy sounds like a real piece of work. Yowza, yowza, bobowza. You kids just wait. This is going to be the best Christmas you ever had. Pony princess. I'm a pencil. Well, I guess everything turned out okay. How'd you get her to come back down? Let's just say I made her an offer she couldn't refuse. <laughs> yowza, yowza, bobowza. <coughs> now, I've never w- watched Full House. I did not watch this kind of show when I was uh, young. I suppose the closest I got was a- watching a few episodes of uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Um, but really, I, the, I, I missed out on the, the smarter sitcoms like Seinfeld until Friends came along. And then I watched a lot of Friends in the 90s. So I basically missed out on a lot of this stuff, like canned laughter shows, which uh, appealed to just like a very broad audience, which is what this is um, a parody of. And mm-hmm. um, it's the only thing that Bojack was ever famous for. He did it for nine seasons. He became extremely rich from it. Notably, the kids that he uh, worked with, it was a horse f- who, for no particular given reason, looks after three orphans who are unrelated to one another. And you know, Human the, orphans. Human orphans. And the, you know, they get into scrapes and the orphans get into the kind of generic things that happen in, in sitcoms. And the horse takes care of them with unconditional love. And um, but it's very kind of theoretically, it's very kind of I, I blossom. I used to watch a bit, so it's kind of not dissimilar yeah. to that. Yeah, it uh, yeah, it's got. Think of who's the boss as well. 
Yeah, I, I didn't watch that, but that's yeah. where Chachi, yeah. isn't it? No, that's Charles and George, no. which is effectively Who's the Boss. Oh, my God. Uh, what about Three's Company? Who's the Boss? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, Bojack became famous for this. He got a massive house in Laurel Canyon in uh, Beverly Hills, which is to the modern human being, that is the pinnacle of where you can get in terms of fame. You get that house in the hills that's achieving everything so to the world bojack achieved that but then he didn't do anything after that uh, later on you find out that he attempted to do another tv show called bojack horseman in 2007 but it was too esoteric and it flopped and so he has been kind of unmotivated to do anything else in particular so he basically just spends all his time mooching around his gorgeous but empty apartment and the show is about the people that he's sort of surrounded himself and fallen in with, um, his friends and his rivals, his relationship with fame, and, and I suppose really just trying to hit the big time again to get that second chance of, of, of achieving something. And the show kind of hangs upon what is that thing that will make BoJack happy? And he's played by Will Arnett, who plays uh, Joe Bluth in um, Arrested Development and Lego Batman which makes him categorically maybe top 10 funniest guys on the planet. And including Bojack as well, one of the best dramatic voice actors. So Will Arnett, straight out the gate, wow. You guys talk about Bojack, by all means. We'll we'll move on to the other characters first. But Bojack's the first guy you meet, and, and, and he develops... Without going too much into into what happens in season one, um, what are the facets of Bojack? The the thing I think that is important to understand about Bojack is that he doesn't know how to feel. Feel that he's been an actor for he was an actor for so long, and he put on so many emotions that were just entirely false mm. that he stopped learning how to feel naturally. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's one scene where it's a it's a cutaway it's a throwaway joke, but it mentions that and then it shows him putting his hand over the burner in his apartment, going, no feeling on the inside, no feeling on the outside. Hmm. Right. <laughs> I think one of the biggest um, one of the biggest things that stood out for me is uh, Bojack kind of has a flashback to something his mother tells him hmm. that I think colors the rest of his career really where he's he's hiding under a table and says i don't want to come out mommy he's just a little kid and she's like you come out and you sing the lollipop song it's like but i don't want to sing the lollipop song she basically shoves it a giant lollipop in his hand and says you know what you're gonna do what i tell you everybody wants to hear the lollipop song and that is what you're here to do so get out there and sing and dance your ass off. and that's pretty much what he is told his entire life is Get out there and sing the song. Get out there and dance the dance. Even Herb tells him that at some point. It's like, we've got a show to put on, so get out there and put on that show. He's a show um, The show must be. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's him in a nutshell. A, that's almost a spoiler for uh, the, the end of uh, season one, because you don't really get that much mother stuff until that point. But I'm going to allow that at this point in the uh, uh, proceedings, because it totally informs on him and if you knew that going in you might sympathize with him in those those crucial earlier episodes where you're like why should i care about this jackass even without that though that's a lot of what actors are asked to do and even if you're in something like a silly 
sitcom that doesn't really have a whole lot of meaning or doesn't really you know do a lot for you as an actor you get out there it's, it's your job you have to get out there and do whatever it is they're asking you to do mm-hmm. and the audience and your fans are the most important things and bojack even says that you have to please them mm-hmm. um and i think it's you know coming from this from my perspective as a as a stunt person i would i would also like to add that Bojack is absolutely a real person. Like he's he's not a caricature. He's not just uh, like a, a cartoon to you know. Uh, yeah, he's a cartoon, but not really. I've I've met Bojack in real life several times. He's absolutely real, and this is kind of one of the reasons why he this show hit me on a very personal level, and why I sort of connected with Bojack so much is because like, oh my God, I know Bojack. I can think of probably three or four people right off the top of my head that do exactly what he does, and they behave exactly the same way that he does, even if they're not actors, even people that are on the crew of of productions, like everyone is trying to get there. 15 minutes, so to speak. And when everybody is trying to get that it becomes very competitive. And then what do you, what do you sacrifice to get what it is that you want, hmm. whether it's fame, whether it's money, whether it's the next job uh, there, uh, Bojack is everywhere in this business for better or worse. He's all over the place. I think something else as well, that's very significant um, for me with Bojack is, and it, it this isn't really a spoiler because it comes across in the, the opening credits. Mm-hmm. Time passes so fast for him. Everything happens almost in a blur. Mm-hmm. You've got the, these, this nine seasons, which effectively translates to nine years yeah. of his life that he, um, he was on horse and around. Um, but it, but nothing really seems to have happened. Nothing transformative took place in his life apart from the fact that he accumulated a lot of money. And now his older years are going past in a similar blur, and he's not helping it with his, um, the, you know, the, the, the drinking and the partying and the, the things that he does to, to kind of fill the void. Um, He's extremely self-destructive. He is. But when you look at the... um, the, Because a lot of this story is told in flashbacks. Um, Not in the sense necessarily that you see um, significant amounts of plot taking place in the past, but that whenever something significant is happening in the present, you will get a little insight into something that happened Mm. decades ago that has an impact on this. And you can see the transition... Um, that Bojack goes from being when he starts working on horse around, horsing around, he is so naive. Mm. He doesn't really understand much of anything, and he never gets the opportunity to develop um, a, a protective shell before he gets thrown into this celebrity um, cult where you know people are obsessed with him and demand things from him. But it's all a very specific idea that they have on him, of him. And it's not really him, but he's never had an opportunity to find out who he really is. And I think what you, you said about him, um, him not really knowing how to feel, he doesn't even know how to be. 
And so everything that he does in the present is to do with just filling the gap, just doing something that is going to pass the time. And you and the the way the um, the opening credit sequence plays out, I think, is absolute genius. That you see, basically, his life is passing behind him, and he he's not looking at it. He doesn't see it. He doesn't know what's going on in his own life. And as the series progress, the images that are, are passing behind him change ever so slightly and ever so subtly. Um, there's there's one in particular. Um, I don't know if you want to snip this and move it later in case it, it comes as a... a Say it now story. anyway. But. but yeah, it just it relates to this point. But you in, in the earlier seasons, he, it passes through like the rooms of his house and you see his friends moving in, in kind of sped up motion behind him, cooking and, and cleaning and, and just life going on behind him um, there's an at least one episode in one of the later seasons where it passes through the house and it's They're empty yeah. nobody completely yeah. empty yeah. yep yeah and dear god that one hit me in the heart uh-huh i he's noticed existing. this yeah <laughs> he's existing not living mm. yeah that well and with no connection to anything while you guys were to- uh, talking about um uh, Bojack, I, I quote rammed into my head, and I thought it was fame, but it's actually the word celebrity. This is by John Updike, uh, which is celebrity as a mask that eats into the face. That's a repeated theme throughout this. Um, the, the idea that uh, it's something that is put on you. Specifically, it keeps because of the format of horsing around. It keeps going back to these child actors, sort of just like entering into the world and like completely bewildered at what it is. And um, Bojack's effectively supposed to be there to look after them, protect them, which makes things that happen later just absolutely excruciating. Just the idea that when you put on that mask, then you're dancing, and then people feel like they own you that they are familiar with that face when effectively the face isn't even you. It's, it's just the mask. The perception of celebrities is all the facts that can be gleaned by paparazzis and in interviews and in watching them act all turned in, like all thrown into this giant bucket with a mask that looks like their face on it. And that is what we assume every celebrity is most of the time completely circumventing the human being underneath that mask. Yeah. And the fact that, well, that that mask is not even something that you crafted yourself. It's yeah. something that other people made and mm-hmm. put on you in yeah. a lot of cases. There's a lot of that. The, the idea that you know, everyone behind the scenes who is steering Bojack and, and the other you know, stars in this towards the front of the camera, that, that you know, everyone going on, everything going on behind the scenes is to put the faces in front of that camera. Well, and so many times we've had depictions in media and uh, the the thing that jumps to mind is Californication of this main character who's basically what I thought Bojack was going to be, which is basically an asshole, Mm -hmm. but our asshole. (laughs) (laughs) And which is what I kind of expected when, because Karu started watching it before I did. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh, I, I kind of know, think I know what's going to be. And it's it's also an indictment of that, you know, this stereotype, we think we know what actors are like, yeah. you know, famous celebrities, and they're assholes, and, you know, they don't care about anybody but themselves, and all of this, and... Or no, just that they're straight a, up crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, no, he's a troubled, incredibly damaged person who's trying to 
be good. The show does a really good job of circumventing a lot of expectations that we might have, um, not just about how Bojack would act, but in how some of the comedy is set up in, in a lot of ways. I think it, it really does a great job of, of taking a, an unexpected turn when we're like, oh, we know what's going to happen. And then, nope, that's not at all what's about to take place. But I agree. And like Bojack can be quite despicable. He does some really horrible things throughout the show, but you can't help but look at him and say, well, I'm like that sometimes. Mm. I'm a jerk to my friends and my coworkers sometimes. I can yeah. be just like him too. It's perfect. So who am pitched, I to judge? It's perfectly pitched so that you yourself, the viewer, don't give up on Bojack. There's always Follow. just enough reason for you to understand why he's being like this, even if they it's bewildering at first and then you get more information on it. You follow the the course of what he does and why he made the choices he did and it it like it's almost like watching you can see a train that's going to crash mm. and you understand what led to it but you're like but but uh, uh, ah <laughs> <laughs> you you want to rescue him from it but it's it's his own fault it's of his own making almost everything mm. that is bad or that Bojack conceives is wrong about his life, it's all of his own creation, which is kind of, it's one of the greatest and one of the most frustrating things about the show, too, is that uh, if he could only just put himself on the right path, if he could stop doing this to himself, but he doesn't, and I don't think he really even has the the means to to know how to put himself on the right track. He doesn't really know what that looks like, and uh, hasn't really developed the, you know, an understanding of what that is. Well, it's part of why this works for me particularly um, is that in every act of self-destruction, like you say, you can see the thought process that leads him there. You can see the reasons underlying why he's made that decision and why he didn't make the other healthier choice. Um, but you can see the the fall off the cliff coming, and it is a little bit baffling that he can't mm. after the you know the the By third fourth should. 27th time that he's done the same thing which suggests that there's something broken inside that stops him learning every time he seems to think that he's found the thing that's going to make him happy he's found the solution he figured out what was wrong with all of his previous attempts and then he does the same thing again mm. every time I'm underselling it as a comedy, though. There are so many moments throughout the series that I just oh, laughed yeah. and laughed. They're like the specific moments. I think um, Adultman is one of my absolute favorite. Oh, oh yeah, God. Looks- Business-wise, this all seems like appropriate business. We'll have to talk about that later because that is a spoiler. Yes. But, uh, but just the, the, these certain running gags that keep occurring. Um, uh, the, the Hollywood jumps to mind. Hollywood, uh, yeah, it reminds that me little plan woods. Mm. It reminds me of the tick where in the first episode, Chairface Chippendale started writing his name on the moon. So for the rest of the series, mm. Cha is written on the moon whenever they show the mm. moon in a shot. All the little mm. smears of blue paint in uh, um, Arrested Development. Uh, Arrested yeah. Development is, is, the, <laughs> is the king show yeah. of running gags and continuity like that. But this is certainly no slouch. 
Um, so let's get to some of the other characters because it's it's getting a little Bojack heavy. This is still not spoiler territory, folks. You can still carry on listening. Uh, Todd Chavez is Bojack's house guest slash squatter. <laughs> a guy who showed up um, possibly during a party, I think, and then made him waffles and then uh, Bojack threw up in the pool and then Todd threw up in the pool and then Bojack was giving him a hard time for throwing up in the pool and then Todd tried to clean up and then Bojack let him stay years ago and he never left. Um, and it, I mean, it was hash browns, Alex. It was hash browns. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> this is uh, um, played by Aaron Paul, uh, Jesse from uh, Arrested uh, uh, from Breaking Bad. And uh, Aaron Paul's one of the producers on the show. And clearly this is a passion project for him as well. He, Jesse was always blackly funny in Breaking Bad. I never finished Breaking Bad. I think I got to like the middle of season four. Just like, I'm done. I'm fucking done with this show. You know that thing I said about wanting to be better? That's not there in Breaking Bad. I stop watching. The opposite of Breaking Bad. He, yeah. want, he stops wanting to be better. Yeah. But uh, Todd is is completely different. I mean, he's, he's just as dumb as Jesse, but um, he's got this kind of, like, okay, Todd is just this really affable, friendly, enthusiastic, harebrained guy who just appears to be a complete bum to begin with, but has actually got a really, really sweet heart. Kind of like Joey, you know, in, in, in Friends. Like, Joey just seems starts off as a dimwit, yeah. but you realize as time goes on that he just really cares about the people that he's close to, and that endears him to us. And, and um, Todd just won't give up on Bojack, even if Bojack treats him shittily. Mm. Todd has a kindness yeah. to him that a lot of the other characters lack. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of an idiot savant. Yeah, he can have a flashes of brilliance without realising it. Mm. Which other people, often Bojack, immediately try to cover up. Yeah, but clearly Bojack keeps him around so that he has another voice in the house and um, that he can feel like he's not quite so alone, although he wouldn't accept that or admit that himself. Mm. I think also so that he can feel a little bit superior. Yeah. Because every day that he wakes up and he's not sleeping on somebody else's sofa, yeah. he can feel better about himself. Also, you know, keeps eating all his toaster shrudels, so at least he's keeping yes. Todd fed. So, but he's kind of a proto, not really a son, but um, a younger he's, brother, maybe. Type. He is protege. I don't. Yeah, I don't want to say he's his conscience, but he is the part of Bojack that can actually see goodness in the world. Mm. He's the one that reminds Bojack that there are things in the world that are worth being a part of. And I don't think that Bojack could see that without Todd being there. Mm. I th- that's possible. It tries to be the voice of reason for him, too, sometimes. Hmm. And hope. And it's a strang- I think it gives Bojack hope. <laughs> and it's a strangulated, you know, childlike view of the world that he delivers, but it has that earnestness and optimism that Bojack lacks because he's had everything ground out of him by Hollywood. Mm. He does oh. also represent... Um, Bojack's hope himself because basically as long as he keeps feeding Todd, as long as he keeps Todd around he is maintaining that there is a possibility he might wake up one morning and everything looks better hmm. If Again, not consciously Yeah, and with again without wanting to spoil, if and when there comes a point where he um, he abandons Todd that means he's abandoned hope hmm. Just in general, I would think he kind of represents just like how I I go to visit LA several times a year. In fact, I'm actually, I'm going to be there in a couple of days. In fact, hey. um, huh. so just in general, just that, that laid back sort of SoCal attitude of just 
everyday normal people that live there. Um, he kind of represented that to me a little bit as well. Like this is sort of the attitude of just a regular schmegular LA resident. So someone who lives uh, around uh, celebrities, but um, uh, doesn't live around it, but maybe don't get too deep into it, but just yeah. kind of have that, that, that very laid back, no worries, everything's going to be fine sort of attitude. And yeah. Todd can get very serious sometimes, make no mistake about it, but his general attitude is like, eh, it's going to be all right, worry about it tomorrow, it's, everything's fine. Uh, and very again, surfer kind of attitude. Mm, yes. <laughs> and again, uh, as with um, uh, Will Arnett's performance, uh, Aaron Paul just, like, there are times where he just knocks it out of the park with his delivery. Oh, yeah. And just, like, um, clearly he, he's been, like, helping to craft the character over the uh, years as well. And um, you know, I, I love what he has done with Todd. We'll do some spoiler stuff about how Todd develops, but um, there's, some, there's some great... Um, growth for the character even if he doesn't necessarily become massively smarter um diane definitely not (laughs) (laughs) uh bojack uh one of the core themes of the first season is uh bojack uh, has an autobiography uh ghost written about him uh by a woman named uh, diane nguyen uh, played by Alison Bree of Community. If you haven't heard our Community show, or if you've never seen Community, stop right now, go see Community, then come back and watch BoJack. My name is Bing Bong the Archer. I'm an archer and such. I'm... Ew, Hector the Well-Endowed? I bet. I didn't know you just grabbed one at random. I made that one with Troy in mind. Yeah, I bet you did. Oh, or maybe watch BoJack and then watch Community to, to, to be happy again? I don't know. The, um... <laughs> <laughs> also print, uh, Princess Unikitty from uh, the Lego movie so there's there's always like a kind of a weird left the weird cat thing to stall them there um, thing going on between the two of them uneventful what? what? I asked if you were close with your father and you sat here in silence for five minutes and then said uneventful? Diane is a, your stereotypical half Irish half Vietnamese author type um, <laughs> That's a stereotype. She's different in the first season than she is later on because I mean, we, Sharon, like, it's, it's interesting going back, and I use the word interesting in its correct sense here, it is interesting going back and watching season one again after you've seen seasons two and three, um, which is what I did, when, when, and watching Sharon really warm to Diane and going, oh, yeah, she seems to have everything together in that uh, first season she's she I, I very much sort of uh, relate to this and then she really changes over uh, uh you know or goes through some changes over the course of later uh, seasons uh, but she starts out a little bit cynical a little bit post-goth a little bit sort of slightly sneery and superior but in, in a kind of a not too venomous way about ho- you know hollywood and, and fakeness and celebrity and i think she's already ghost-written a uh, book for who was it that she? Oh, she secretary. She wrote secretary. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. she didn't even ghost write it. That was her name on it. Okay, right. So she she actually yeah. she wrote it. Uh, secretary. It's important to actually lay down the ground rule. The the, the thing here. Secretary. It was a uh, a horse. Right, race horse in the seventies. A race horse in the seventies. Yes. Whom he young, won the triple crown. Won the triple crown. Whom young Bojack idolized. It turned out later that he'd been involved in some insider gambling on himself. And Secretariat committed suicide by jumping off a bridge. And that clearly had some profound effect on Bojack. So meeting Diane 
who knew so much about him, they don't make a huge deal out of it, but it must have been significant to Bojack. I think that's one of the things that Pinky mentions. Uh, Pinky Penguin, the uh, the author or the publisher that's trying to get this book put out about mm. Bojack's memoirs, he says... Is Pinky this- played by Pat Oswald? So you really think you could write a better book by Friday? Damn right I can, so you can throw this turd of a book in the garbage and then light the garbage on fire. In fact, you can burn all books because my book, written by me, is going to kick your dick off. It is yes. Patton Oswalt, Somewhere. and that's another... If we talk about the voice actors at some point, um, yeah. Patton Oswalt is fantastic. But anyways, um, one of the he things do, he like, first Patton says to... Yeah, he does, yeah, he does a lot of them. But he says, oh, look, if, if you're having trouble writing this, this memoir yourself, why don't you get a ghostwriter? Look, this girl wrote about Secretariat, one of your heroes. She would be perfect to tell your story. So he even mentions that as kind of a selling point for working with her. Yeah. That straight away is a, is a fantastic, um, like, it, it slams um, paper publishers in the uh, in the first season in that Pinky Penguin is freaking out because they're losing money hand over fist. If Bojack's story doesn't get written in the next few weeks and starts selling immediately, they're out of business. So um, I think, what does he, um, imme- like, after that, he graduates to network television. So it's like oh, the next yeah. thing that's going to die yeah. immediately after print publishing. <laughs> So he just keeps failing downwards, but only one oh, rung at pinky. a time. Or failing upwards, <laughs> but only one rung at a time. And he's going to be constantly rushing to try to, to, to stay just on the edge of obsolescence. Mm. Uh, but it's really astute. I mean, like, you know how Hollywood just don't understand the internet? And whenever ever they do, like, a hacker film, it's always so far off the mark of, of what actually... Um, yeah. The mystical they, internet, I call it. That's how computers work. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it always looks like a virtual reality game or something. Yeah. And it, you often see in, in, especially movies in the 90s, whenever they're making a movie in the 90s, it always seems to be, like, incredibly wrong for actually what happens. And you'd think that people who write movies would know a bit more about making movies to be able to make that aspect of them feel really authentic. Because this feels really authentic the whole way through in terms of making television and making movies and indeed writing. I suspect a lot of people who make those movies about making movies that don't feel authentic don't really want people to know. Mm. Yeah. yeah, they're selling a dream. It's a fair point. And that's yeah. what Hollywood is about. It's about selling dreams. They're selling an image. Yeah. It's uh, one of my favorite uh, noirs of all time, L.A. Confidential. Actually feels a little oh. bit like uh, L.A. Confidential sort of as a, as a, 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 like a predecessor to this. Also, The Nice Guys. Did, you, did anyone see The Nice yeah. Guys? Mm-hmm. Just, we, just, we just watched oh, it. Oh, my night. God. Shamefully, I was in The Nice Guys, and I still haven't seen it. <laughs> Holy oh. crap, Maya. I know. I know. Really? I know. Oh. Who, yes. What, where should we look out for you? Because we're totally going to. Oh man, I don't remember. It was I was one of the kind of like utility background stunt people in one of the big party scenes. That doesn't you net, probably it down. It like four won't party even no, it, it does not at all. And you probably wouldn't even be able to see me. But yeah, I was I was there for a couple of days and I still have not seen the movie. I've heard it is very good. Maya. So it's I, on the list. I wanna buy it for you. Can I, can I? <laughs> 
Well, I will see There's, if I can get that. That's very nice of you to offer, but I, I can very well support my local video rental establishments and go rent it for myself. Do you have video rental establishments? <laughs> we do. We have one. There is one left in the city of Atlanta, and it is fantastic. Oh. It's the only one that should still exist. It's called Videodrome, mm-hmm. and oh. it has everything. Except video. It's amazing. It. That place is great. It's called Videodrome, yes. Those of you at home, if you don't have a Videodrome near you, you can watch The Nice Guys on Netflix right now. Watch The Nice Guys. I would imagine that the, the uh, business that Pinky Penguin was working for just before he went into paper publishing was uh, a large chain of uh, video rental places. No. That was the, uh, the one, <laughs> one lower rung on the, of the ladder. This is going to be the ne- next big thing. <laughs> there's a, there's but Diane... Diane. Yes, Diane. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so Diane Nigun, she starts out very kind of calm and observant and dryly funny, and uh, immediately Bo- Bojack's like, okay, I, I, you know, he is immediately attracted to her. That's the thing. I don't think I believe in deep down. I kind of think all you are is just the things that you do. Well, that's depressing. <laughs> we can't really talk about Diane without someone else, but. Um, throughout the first season, it's about sort of an edgy kind of, you know, Bojack trying to work out a way to get closer to Diane without ruining their professional relationship, which, of course, comes to a head near near the end of the uh, first season. How do we talk about Diane without any spoilers? It's hard, but, I mean, she is kind of, like, socially awkward. You know, she's uncomfortable around a lot of people. She prefers her peace and quiet. She's, you know, she enjoys her, you know, somewhat feminist podcasts and things like that. She is a, a bit stereotypical in some respects, but yeah. she also stays, they manage to keep her very grounded, I think. She's, um, it, just because she's she's smart and she knows she wants a deeper truth. She's, out, she's one of those people that just wants some deeper meaning for her life. Mm. And somehow she ended up in Los Angeles and she's probably not going to find it there mm. But for whatever reason, she's stayed. Mm. She's she's very much. uh, Oh, sorry, Sharon. No, 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 you go on, Cara. You've you've not said that. (laughs) She seems like uh, Nick Carraway if he was not the narrator of Gatsby. If he was a side character and was just this writer who was writing things down, but we didn't actually get to see inside of. Uh, his head, that is very much what Diane is, and that actually, again, makes me think of Californication again, specifically season two, which is probably my favorite adaptation of The Great Gatsby. Um, I'd say she's edgier and more acerbic than uh, Carraway. Carraway, I can't not now think of Tobey Maguire. Um, oh, well, that'll do it, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but she's also painfully uh, introverted to the point where uh, when her extrovert boyfriend throws an unexpected surprise party for her, it freaks her the fuck out. Principally, oh, yeah, she has a meltdown. The, the trigger being, I really didn't want this. But the, the thing that really uh, fans the flames of that is, and I can't believe that you didn't understand that I didn't want this after mm. all of this. Yeah. I think one of the one of the points about Diane that came clear to me a little bit later on is that she she does seem initially like the kind of person who um, again if you're looking at the the stereotypes and it's worth pointing out by the way that her her front her exterior and what she puts forward does not match her interior 
Bingo. Um, she, she, there is, she, she does kind of put out this feeling that she has more of a, an internal peace than the people around her, but she doesn't. It's, there's a lot of uncertainty there that she keeps very well covered. Um, but the, the kind of the stereotypical image that she projects, she seems like the kind of person who would be far much more at home in, in like New York or somewhere like that, um, where she could socialise with people who are Oh yeah, she's got cynical, a New York personality. Um, you know, with, with a similar sense of humour to her. It wouldn't necessarily be better for her because she would become very cynical. But this, no, this is the thing yeah. though. It, it, mm. it struck me later on, she's in LA on purpose mm. because it, it gives her an opportunity to feel superior to people. Yeah. Something make, that makes her like Bojack. Yeah. yeah. And he chastises her for, for, for it later, which really hurts her. But he's on the money, mm-hmm. unfortunately. She also has some family issues that she's trying to work through, especially mm-hmm. in the first season, which is similar to Bojack in a lot of ways. So, you know, they may connect with each other on that, on that level as well, that they sort mm-hmm. of come from unsupportive families. Mm-hmm. The person we can't really mention Diane without is uh, Paul F. Tompkins, Mr. Peanut Butter. Mr. Peanut Butter is a dog uh, who, from the sounds of it, had a show that was copying almost the entire concept of horsing around, but with a dog. What's it? What was it called? Mr. Peanut Butter's House. Mr. Peanut Butter's, Mr. Peanut Butter's House. House. <laughs> and it was considerably more popular than Horsing Around, even though Horsing Around was very popular and ran for a long time. And Mr. Peanut Butter himself is a more popular, more beloved star. Oh, good Lord. Hey, Mr. Peanut Butter. Can you believe this? The two of us in the same house? Is this a crossover episode? No, I'm just kidding around, man. Seriously, though. How are you? Well, I've been kind of up. Living the dream, ah, yeah. Hey, we'll catch up later, right? I want to talk to you. Erica, how are you looking so beautiful? Was the last time I worked with David O. Russell. What's that old expression? Fool me once, shame on me, but fool me twice, fiddle-dee-dee. I do believe that is the expression. That makes it very easy for Bojack to look at Mr. Peanut Butter with absolute loathing. And what makes it even worse is that Mr. Peanut Butter is a nice guy, and he's very loud and uh, overbearing and um, affable and extroverted and oblivious. Which makes it even worse, because Bojack <laughs> yeah. doesn't... The fact that Mr. Peanut Butter doesn't seem to understand that Bojack hates him makes Bojack hate him even more. Mm. Well, well I, think, I think Bojack said it best. He's so stupid he doesn't realize how miserable he should be. I am <laughs> oh, yeah. Because yeah. to Bojack, this is the... You know, there by the grace of God goes Bojack. The idea being that Mr. Peanut Butter did what, something right, which made him happy, and Bojack did not do that thing, and he's sad. But superficially, what does he have that Bojack doesn't have? He's got a great house, and he is famous. Um, yeah. For being on TV. The ability to be happy with what he has, I think, is is the big yeah. thing. And this is something that I run into all the time. You know, when, when you're in a competitive field like this, when you work in something that has only a certain number of jobs to go around and only, you know, we can only use one of you. Um, Whoever has the more toys wins a lot of the time. And even if you are someone like Bojack, who's like, okay, yeah, he's got a great house. He had a great life. He had a good run on a, on a show that was very popular. He's got money. He's got work coming up. All the reasons why he should be happy. And he's not. Mm. Then you look at Mr. Peanut Butter. He has all of the exact same things. Mm. And he is happy. 
So that's really what Bojack envies about Mr. Peanut Butter is not all of the stuff that he has. It's his ability to be happy with it, mm. which he can't do. And I think Mr. Peanut Butter is a, a good example of where they've used the animal persona Bingo, yeah. to um, to externalise that because he's he's a dog. He's specifically he's a golden lab, a happy waggy tailed golden lab, Absolutely. faithful. Mm-hmm. Now they, I know those dogs. Loyal. My yeah. my yeah. grandparents Sweet had a, had one of those dogs. I've known so many people who have those type of dogs, and they are dumb but my god are they <laughs> they're all over you they're you become their they're entire happy. world absolutely yeah. yeah and you compare that to a horse standing sadly in a field eating whatever grass it is and that just that the comparison between bojack and mr peanut butter is as you say exemplified by their animal um natures mm. yeah and they yeah. make a lot more jokes of, of more than any of the other anthropomorphic animals on the show with Mr. Peanut Butter about him being a dog. And yeah, well, he and like Diane he... sleep in a dog bed. Yeah. <laughs> with a little bench at they the do. bottom for her to go and sleep on when she doesn't want to be in the dog bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's tennis balls everywhere. Everywhere that Mr. Peanut Butter is, there's, there's like tennis balls all over the place. I think at one point he opens the trunk of a car and it's a bunch of tennis, tennis balls, balls yeah. fell down. And yeah. he just goes, hey! <laughs> like, watching them with his eyes. It's adorable. <laughs> or whenever the uh, doorbell rings, he suddenly goes to attention, his ears go up. Every time. Or he gets excited. Like, yeah. His eyes get huge and the ears whoop! Somebody's yeah. at the door. Uh, I'm just about to tweet you guys just a picture of... Uh, Bojack, Mr. Peanut Butter, and Princess Carolyn in real life. It's creepy, but accurate. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, oh, that... wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Mr. Peanut Butter, uh, as it turns out in the first episode, turns up in uh, Bojack's party and is like, Bojack Horseman and Mr. Peanut Butter in the same room together? What is this, a crossover episode? Which he apparently says every time they meet... And, you know, appears to forget that he keeps saying that, which enrages Bojack. But Bojack can't really be straight out hostile to Mr. Peanut Butter. Or when he does, it goes straight over the dog's head. So it yeah. it just it makes him angrier every single time. And then at the very end, um, it turns out that Diane is dating Mr. Peanut Butter. And which makes Bojack puke candy floss over the side of his uh, um, mountain home. Um, and... It is a source of great tension and conflict throughout the first uh, and first season and beyond that Mr. Peanut Butter has the woman that Bojack has decided would compliment him very well and that he would be good for, I think. Do, do, you, th- yeah. do you think he thinks he would be good for Diane? I, I don't think it really occurs to him that he would be good for Diane. Yeah. He definitely thinks Diane would, would be, be good for him. him. Yeah. yeah. That, that's the problem he's, because he's not really thinking in terms uh, of what, how, how we, he will be good for other people. He's looking for the magic formula that will make him happy, and he thinks that Diane is a part of that formula. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He can't, and he can't see, and I don't know when we want to talk about the mental illness part of things, but he can't see past his own needs. He can't see past his own unhappiness and depression. It's also worth noting, folks, that if you type in Bojack into Google Images, you're going to get a friggin' character from Dragon Ball Z. So you're going to have to add the horseman to that for all your Google Images. Um, 
Uh, another major character, uh, we'll go back to Peanut Butter and Diane, but another major one before we move on to plot stuff is uh, Princess Carolyn, uh, Bojack's agent, uh, who... Notably, her favourite movie is Jerry Maguire, which suggests she has a uh, somewhat idealised view of what she should be doing as an agent, which conflicts with what she actually has to do as an agent, which proves to be a point of conflict for her throughout the series. She's a pink cat uh, with a uh, dress with fish on it. Um, Starts off with people... Uh, of a more glamorous uh, disposition in slightly higher uh, up the social hierarchy, ma- uh, making her feel dowdy. And then is a, she's on a sort of a personal quest to mine a little bit more happiness out of life whilst at the same time juggling, you know, the, the job. But as she said early on, Bojack is 90% of her daily business and 0% of her takings. As an agent, you know, she works for a large company of agents but Bojack's not earning her any money. He's not getting any work, but he is always getting into trouble and, and uh, she's always having to deal with him. Bojack's really bad for her. Yeah. Terrible. And she's... Bojack's she, terrible for a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just in general. But especially, yeah, Princess Caroline puts so much of her energy in him and... Mm. He always disappoints her, and and you know they they have a relationship outside of their work too. I, mm. I think it's important to mention that they kind of have been dating on yeah. and off early on for the past uh, yeah. what like twenty years. God, something like that. Yeah, At least. no, 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 no. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, was it two thousand seven that they only just met? So is it only actually like? Seven, oh no, that's seven yeah. Years. In two thousand seven, was there? Okay, so ten thing, years. Yeah. Okay, um, yeah, about so, ten years. Yeah, that's yeah. still a long time to maintain a, a yeah. on-off relationship mm. with somebody who is um, not even necessarily deliberately, but so demanding of your time and energy and attention, mm. whilst giving as little back as he manages to do. Yeah, it's it's exemplified by the fact that when they you first see them making love, it's not a show that you can watch with kids, by the way. Um, Bojack just oh, no. is like just sort of rolls on top of her and goes, ah, did you go? And then sort of rolls back over, satisfied with himself. And that's their lovemaking. Um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a rather splendid way of showing how little he actually factors other people's happiness into his own, which is why Bojack is broken, by the way. Uh, it's, it's, he doesn't grasp the whole making other people happy will inadvertently make you happy. It's not necessarily Mr. Peanut Butter's ethos in life. The universe is a cruel, uncaring void. The key to being happy isn't to search for meaning. It's to just keep yourself busy with unimportant nonsense. And eventually, you'll be dead. But he does make people happy. People like him. And thus, he's happy. He, I, I imagine that if Mr. Peanut Butter felt that he was disgraced or hated by the world, his ears would droop, his tail would go between his legs, and he would be distraught. But that never really happens for him. No, he's too likable. Yeah. Well, he's a good dog. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, He's you a are. good dog. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Um, <laughs> Princess Carolyn is uh, played uh, with uh, brassy breeziness by Amy Sedaris, an actress I hadn't really heard or seen much in, in uh, anything. But she's one of the uh, the stars of the show for me. I, I I adore Princess Carolyn's. You gotta get your shit together. So yesterday you let yourself fall in love a little bit, and you got your heart broken. Serves you right for having feelings. Starting now, you are a hard, heartless career gal. Go to work, be awesome at it, and don't waste time on foolish flights of fancy. From now on, you are a robot. 
beep, bop, boop, more bleep. Like, mm. there's, there's times when she's totally oblivious to things that are right in front of her. And there's times when she has to make tough decisions. Um, and she manages to humanize the agent in a way that, you know, I haven't seen since Jerry Maguire, which is one of my favorite films. She's surprisingly optimistic given her profession. Yeah. It hasn't grounded. She is, and, and she can be, you know, one of the kind of pitfalls that I think Princess Caroline falls into is that she is also in a very competitive field and she sort of gets hung up on playing the game mm. quite a lot in her work, which in a lot of cases involves, you know, sending these kind of covert emails and stabbing her uh, colleagues in the back and mm. doing all these kind of terrible things to climb the ladder. But when she really digs her heels in, she can be a very good agent. She's actually quite good at her job. Um, unfortunately, um, a lot of her little conniving and, and, you know, underhanded deals come back to bite her in the ass more often than not, which is a shame because she can be um, very assertive and, you know, she's a go-getter. She gets things done. She, becomes... she has a lot of the right connections. Yeah. She knows surprising yeah. like you'll get little tidbits here and there like oh i know this person or i know this person's favorite color or whatever like wow she becomes more principled as uh, time goes on the it feels like princess carolyn in season three would never uh let um uh todd swing for the whole david boreanas um incident uh, <laughs> she just dives out the window as soon as the police arrive um after they pretended that bojack's house in his absence belongs to david boreanas to forget to get tourists and uh, Todd goes to jail for that, for at least a whole episode. Um, but, uh, but yeah, she just washes oh, her hands at the whole thing and jumps over the balcony. Yeah, no, like, I think just over time, she's probably one of the characters who goes through the most actual changes. And I said to Sharon that um, this is a show that actually might benefit from um, changing the character models, specifically, I think, for Diane and, and maybe uh, Princess Carolyn in terms of what they go through. It, it feels like... It, it just seems like Diane's gone through so much that she should maybe just wear different clothes, style her hair differently, and um, you know if, she, if she's going to take control of more of, of her life. Same with uh, Princess Carolyn, it that should maybe be reflected in her character model. But that doesn't happen in many shows, uh, animated shows specifically. But uh, like Avatar's a really good example of, of um, them like changing up the costumes yeah. and uh, oh, evolving yeah. the characters. Time. Yeah. Yeah. I would comment on Princess Carolyn, since I, I think you may have been about to move on. Um, the fact that somehow she always seems to land on her feet, mm. yeah. both literally and metaphorically. <laughs> they show yes. her sometimes, you know, jumps out the window and, yeah. you know. Yeah, Bojack pushed her out the car <laughs> that time. and yeah. That she got one of the like biggest laughs out of me when I first watched the show. I mean, first oh, of yeah. all, he... the. the the lead up to that joke is, oh, well, okay, I'll, I'll drive you home, but I don't want to try and find parking in Silver Lake. So can I just slow down the car and <laughs> get out while I'm just slowing down, which is, <laughs> was hilarious. And yeah. then, yeah, she kind of rolls out and she kind of lands in that sort of cat-like position with her back arched way up on all fours. And it was one of the – I was dying when that happened. It was so funny. So, I mean, th- those five characters are the core – um, cast of, of Bojack, they are surrounded by dozens of support characters and cameos and walk-ins and outs and people who fi- figure in one episode and then don't come back for many, many episodes. But it's mainly just those five. Um, 
I think we've given you folks in uh, it's it's been an hour now. We've given you guys a uh, a pretty good grounding in in what uh, BoJack is going to feel like. Uh, m- much better than you'd be able to just go in and watch it raw. So hopefully it's got kind of a like. Well, let's just stick with this. Like, you know, it, we wouldn't be talking about it in this much depth if it wasn't really worth sticking with. Um, so go watch BoJack. And uh, then when you come back, then the next thing we're going to talk about is season one. And so you can either watch season one and then come back or watch all three and then just listen to the rest. And uh, we'll uh, talk about season one after the music. Okay, a couple of uh, support characters in season one, which we can now talk about, I suppose. Uh, J.K. Simmons as Lenny Turtletaub, uh, one of my favorites. Of course you like this ad, because when you look at it, you see Secretariat. I just see an old turtle. Hello, old turtle. Are you Secretariat? No, you're just some old turtle. What the hell? By the way, you've aged terribly. But you've got the heart of a champion. I got a team of cardiologists at Cedars who say different. <laughs> uh, the thing that I like about Lenny is that um, they do a good job of kind of blending the he's classic Hollywood mm. with a more modern sensibility. Yeah. You know, he's he's still he's still got that kind of cutthroat nature, but he also tells those, you know, Hollywood stories like um, uh, what's his name Arthur in uh, the Holiday. Mm. I can't remember the actor now, even though I love that actor. But Ed you know Ridley Senior? No, no, no. Oh, okay. That will. I know he mentioned that name. I think on the show at one point. No, it was the guy who was um, uh, Tuco in The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and Eli Whitley. Okay. Uh, uh, but it's it's those you know he's got all those stories, but the stories are always nonsensical. Which Do you mean Eli Wallach? Wallach, Wallach, thank you. I was going to say Eli Whitney. <laughs> I, 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 I got that. Thank you. You are not I down with your post agrarian industrialization. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I like that he has that uh, that old Hollywood sense to him, but it's. Like I said, it's garbled and it's ridiculous, hmm. and it's it's a very it's sort of a subtle joke, but I've always, but I appreciate seeing it on screen. I think the running gag is that uh, since he's a turtle, he's lived for most of the time that Hollywood has been around. So he worked with Jack Warner and uh, and various yeah. other like Hollywood greats back in the day. He's at least a hundred years old. But uh, J.K. Simmons, who's one of the funniest men on the planet, uh, plays him uh, again with just this kind of really wit, quick uh, wit. And uh, like one, again, one of my uh, favorite little asides uh, where, when they suddenly get Andrew Garfield and he just says, while everyone else is talking, you don't say no to Spider-Man, which is kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, nice little inside joke there. I think for me, the star of season one is Stanley Tucci as Herb Kazaz. Uh, yes. Stanley oh, Tucci. I'm so glad you mentioned Stanley Tucci. <laughs> Stanley Tucci yes. is one of those guys who is just 
fucking fantastic in everything he does. Like, he takes a great character and makes him phenomenal. He can even take a poor, underwritten character like the one he played in Transformers 4 and somehow make it the best thing in the film. But most of the time, he picks good scripts and great characters and makes them even better. He did exactly that with with Herb Kazaz. So, uh... At this point, everyone listening will have seen season one, so we don't have to explain that much. Or do we? Yeah. Do we? I, I, think, I think we can talk about we can, it. We can shorthand it. Okay, Herb Kazaz is the guy who got Bojack his first big break and the showrunner mm-hmm. on uh, Horse and Around. When Bojack meets him again in the, uh, in the present, it's after he was fired decades ago for uh, being caught in a lay-by in a, uh, a situation with another man, uh, which back in the 90s was entirely frowned upon, and so they they used him as a scapegoat. Because people were like, this was supposed to be a family value show. I don't want to watch this show. I'd think about that, even if that had no bearing on the actual show itself. So they let him swing. And Bojack... You know, basically, Herb said, you know, if you threaten to walk if they let me go, then... You know that they might they might keep me around, and Bojack does what you know is told by Angelica Houston's character. You know, yes, you can walk, but ultimately you're saying goodbye to your entire career for that. Is it worth it for this one guy? And so Bojack doesn't and regrets it. Hey, buddy, you come back for that Vitamix? You? <coughs> oh, just get that looked at. Yeah, I've been meaning to see a doctor. Hey, I wanted to talk to you about, you know, I feel bad about what happened so you're apologizing yes i'm sorry okay i don't forgive you herb i said i'm sorry yeah and i do not forgive you uh not sure you get what's happening here this could be the last time that no i'm not gonna give you closure you don't get that You have to live with the shitty thing you did for the rest of your life. You have to know that it's never, ever going to be okay. I really think that we'd both feel better if we just... I'm dying. I'm not going to feel better. And I'm not going to be your prop so you can feel better. You have to believe me. I did everything I could. Yeah? Then why didn't you call me? Huh? 20 years, you didn't call me. Look, I I, I wanted to, but I didn't You know what it was like for me? I had nobody. Everybody left. I knew all those showbiz phonies would turn on me, sure. But you? It's not my fault you got fired. I don't care about the job! I did fine. I had a good life. But what I needed then was a friend. And you abandoned me. And I will never forgive you for that. Now get the fuck out of my house. It's heartbreaking, but it feels totally genuine. And I mm-hmm. I just, I, I felt a great empathy for Herb for sticking by that particular ethic and teaching Bojack an incredibly hard and harsh lesson. Mm. He needed that. It's something that there is, there's a repeating pattern of with Bojack as well in that it's, he compounds the terrible things that he does, which kind of aren't, they are terrible, but they are also understandable. But what compounds it is the fact that he then, as you say, he disappears. Hmm. He doesn't face the consequences Hmm. of the things that he does. He doesn't um, have any interaction with the people that he's harmed. And unfortunately, the, uh, the community and the society that he lives in permits him to do that. Yeah. It is such that he can get somebody sacked 
and then just not have any contact with them for... Forget about the dead weight. This is all about you. Everyone's got to look out for number one, and I'm looking out for number one, so I would hope that everyone else is too. That's the kind of cutthroat industry we're talking about. And so when he finally ends up, um, you know, uh, coming back to these people, time has passed, and... Things have happened for them. Situations have changed. And he seems baffled by this. And it happens on several occasions that that person has progressed and they've, you know, they've been working on the stuff that's, that's harmed them in their life. And he's just ignored it. And he almost seems to expect things to be exactly as they were. Hmm. And they can't possibly be. Yeah. One, uh, I'm glad that we're talking about this because the telescope is probably my favorite episode of season one, mm-hmm. uh, partially because the, you know, the titular telescope, I uh, like the way that they use it, both in the sense that Bojack at one point tries to use it to make Herb seem far away, mm-hmm. and then he tries to steal it in order to make Herb closer, and Herb won't let him become closer to him again. He won't let him have that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like that there are two unwanted kisses in that episode Mm -hmm. uh the first is when herb kisses bojack in a moment of excitement Mm -hmm. and that changes everything but changes everything for the better it was not something that he wanted but ultimately that was the beginning of horsing around Mm -hmm. then at the end bojack kisses diane and that's what ruins their relationship Mm -hmm. and changes everything there's and another just, major unwanted kiss coming up in another season, which uh, again, yeah changes. Everything. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, but it was such it was such nice uh, symmetry in the episode, and it was really well put together overall. And a lot of the way that the episode was uh, well shot, for lack of a better term, the way that it looks, there's a lot of symmetry going on with characters being kind of placed opposite one another with equal space between them and between the. Uh, borders of the frame and it's a lot of balancing visually that I absolutely adored about this episode. Yeah, it was, that one was heartbreaking. I mean, it was it's Bojack being forced to go back and look at the aftermath of his choices and actions and which is something Bojack hates doing hmm. and something he, he goes in there and like Herb's like, no, you have to deal with this. These are consequences you can't escape, and Bojack can't handle that. That's an exemplary episode. If I was going to say to people, like, I don't often say just screw the first few episodes and just jump straight to this one, but um, it's it's one that would sell it for a lot of people, I think. Definitely. Mm. I love the fact that Herb doesn't let Bojack take the easy way out from this. He says, no, you you have to live with the shitty thing you did. Mm. I'm never going to forgive you like that. Oh, it's, it's completely heart wrenching, but it, uh-huh. at the same time, it's like, wow, how refreshing to see something like that. Like you expect that at the end, all is going to be forgiven and they're going to part ways as friends again. No, it's not that easy. And Herb even tells him like, no, it's not about the job, but mm. you left me at the time when I needed you most. And yeah. how, how do you forgive that? Especially when, Bojack had so many opportunities to get back in touch with him. He could have reached out and mm. and said something. And, and her probably would have yeah. under yeah, yeah, he probably would have understood. Yeah. And said, Okay, I, yeah, I get it. You've got your career to worry about. They're offering you secretariat. I understand. It's your dream job. Thanks for being upfront with me. I'm still mad at you, but it probably would have made things better. Yeah. 
And it's actually somewhat ironic that basically what he's done to Herb and and, as in ignoring their friendship is exactly what he is in the process of that episode doing to Princess Caroline, who is on the flip side and say anything in the previous episode, working her ass off for him on her birthday with nobody around for her, completely alone. And when she calls him, he can't even talk to her because of everything that just happened with Herb. Um, we could probably like breeze over most of season one's major events because they all seem to be sort of setting the scene and explaining who these characters are, and like we've already kind of covered a lot of uh, of that. There, the, um, there is a yeah? there is a pretty significant thing though that happens between Bojack and Todd in season one that I think is is pretty crucial for their relationship. And this may be Alex where you were about to go with this, but mm-hmm. it's when. Todd is about to write his rock opera and oh, yes. Bojack kind of offers up to be a kind of mentor to him for the first time. He's never done this for anyone, but yeah. uh, sort of not by choice says, oh, well, let, let me hear what you've got. And, you know, maybe I can steer you in the right direction. Maybe I can help you work on this. Mm. It's, he's supposed to... Um yeah, he's supposed to be treating him like a protege. He's supposed to be sending him out into the world mm. to actually succeed. And he selfishly scuppers the plan on purpose to keep Todd around. It's a dick move, and he drags in character actress Margot Martindale to uh, to, to assist him in this. Basically, Bojack starting as he means to go on, and, and you know, selfishly holding on to, to um, things and people uh, because it's part of his comfort network. Which both keeps him broken and that holds them back. Well, he he has a pattern of um, panicking when he thinks uh, people are going to leave him. Mm. Um, He reacts in very short-sighted ways when those situations come up and sometimes it's, it's sabotaging people to make sure that they can't leave and sometimes it's kicking them in the ass as they leave so that at least he gets the parting shot um, and sometimes it's uh, it's doing something hurtful to them to push them away before they can actually do the rejecting mm. again one of the things that I, I absolutely love in film and but particularly in TV shows is, is consistency of character and when people have a, a psychological template that maintains mm-hmm. Um, Because obviously, you know, they they will change as characters and they will evolve and and hopefully there are things um, that they will heal and grow and, you know, new neuroses will make themselves known. Um, When someone does something which is totally out of character for them and doesn't scan with their uh, psychological makeup that we understand so far, that kicks me the hell out of it. Same here. It just throws me out of it. And that never happens in this. Um, Everything feels like it makes sense and it's it's carefully set up and it's earned each time yeah and it it feels right as well for um uh, something that that debbie touched on briefly was the idea of how um mental health issues and particularly in bojack's case um depression anxiety and um the the alcoholism that basically he uses to deal with them Mm -hmm. um Depression and anxiety. Not to mention massive, massive abandonment issues. Yes, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Sorry, sorry. And, no, no, no. <laughs> um, but but the the way that he behaves in the face of of all of these things, um, depression and anxiety, is something that I uh, have dealt with, have seen people I care about deal with, and 
every time they do anything that tackles these things specifically, it feels right. It feels real. Um, they, they may not manifest itself necessarily in the same way that it's manifested itself for me, but it feels real. Mm-hmm. And every it's so painful every time because of that reality. Um, and, and this is what I would I was kind of alluding to at the beginning about the idea that this this show for me is as close as you can get to art because the way it communicates those feelings and in some cases the absence of those feelings the the shot where he falls backwards into the swimming pool and Mm -hmm. he's just drifting Mm -hmm. down Mm -hmm. um coupled with the there's some strains to the music when he's he's lying on the um the raft in the pool with the sunglasses on at the end of the uh, the intro sequence Mm -hmm. and it just there's something about that handful of notes that just really communicates the idea that you're in this bright sunny happy um wonderful place where everything's magical and everything goes right and you just can't feel it all you can feel is just darkness and emptiness oh and i want to mention um since you're talking about the end of the theme i don't know if anybody else picked up on this but the very ending saxophone notes on that Mm -hmm. sound like a horse's whinny did anyone oh, else of notice that? They do. <laughs> well, I, I never clicked, but you are so right. I was. Um, I only noticed uh, last night from when I was watching very, very closely. I'd always just like been puzzled about the way when he walks backwards and goes over the balcony into the pool. I was thinking, am I reading the house geography wrong? Am I? Like, is there an upper level? Am I, was he on the roof? That no, wait a second. What actually happens in that intro sequence is he walk, goes backwards out of the double doors of his party and goes over the balcony to what should be off the side of the cliff. And what he actually ends up in is falling si- backwards into the pool, which is actually several meters to his right. So it's like he's imagining going over the uh, uh, railings. It never really clicked for me that basically he's... It, it's it's a case of him constantly just relinquishing control and then still being here. And he's still at the, in, in the pool and then he just wakes up at the beginning, uh, at midday, uh, um, after the party every single time and he's still here. And that seems to define the way that Bojack is able to just keep maintaining in this kind of, oh, just drink myself into oblivion and then wake up, wake the hell up again. Um, it, without actually dealing with the fact that he has this massive self-destruction. Also, an animation note, as well as the sort of holding the arm thing, there's one thing that Bojack does when he is freaking out and really just, like, doesn't know how to cope. And it only affects Bojack, um, and it only happens, like, three or four times throughout the whole three seasons. But it's one thing that Bojack does when he's basically got nothing left. And usually the scene moves on quickly after that. Can anyone tell what it is? It, I'll, I'll give you a clue. It happens when he it cuts back to the comedy club, and he's um heck, he's trying to uh, talk to the audience about uh, a joke that he's having to explain, and they uh, start shouting. But I think Herb actually starts heckling him at that point, and then he's unable to control the audience, and things fall apart for him. And he does this before the scene moves on. Are you talking about where he kind of like rubs the back of his mane? No, kind of ruffles his, his he hair a little that, bit when he, he gets sort of flustered. He does do that a lot, but no, it's he throws his head all the way back. 
uh, to to basically just do a ah! type thing. Um, but oh, it's like a, it's, he does, doesn't yeah. he? Watch for when he does that. Ah. That is where he's got nothing mm. left, and um, it, it's it's a sort of a, a moment of freak out. And no one ever seems to notice that he's gotten that to that point. Mm. No one ever talks to him about it. <laughs> I can tell you exactly what that is as well. That's a horse trying to fight a rain. When mm-hmm. a horse has a yeah. a, 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 a bridle and mm. somebody's holding, yeah, it's the moment that he's at his most horsey yeah. at yeah. that stage. He's rearing. He's trying yeah. to throw off something that he feels is holding him mm. down. The 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 crowning glory of each season tends to be the finale. They they really know how to finish a season at yeah. uh, Bojang. Um, the the end of this one um, is is when he basically trips balls. Uh, after yeah. uh, his autobiography is um, written and you know uh, some of it's leaked by Diane and he, he dismisses her and tries desperately to write straight from the horse's mouth himself after getting off his face on badly prescribed student cramming drugs. I love like, like when a drug trip actually means something rather than just is like holy yeah. munchies or something like um, he basically goes on a spirit walk. And uh, it just says so much about the internals of his, his mind. It starts off with an incredibly hostile environment circle surrounding his fame and his celebrity. It then goes on to his mother and where that may have come from. And I think that it, doesn't it cut back to he's trying to watch TV as a child and his mother and father are breaking up in the next room. And then, yeah, and he's watching the Secretariat respond. Yeah. He's watching Secretariat's interview. On, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, on Dick Cavett. And uh, the yeah, yeah, this is the end of season one because then we get the other side of that on season two, uh, where it cuts uh, to what happens to Secretariat. But uh, point of point of order, actually, hmm. that's and this is something I wanted to bring up. Is the only reason I'm bringing it up, uh, and I don't mean to be a jerk about it, but that's actually the second to last episode. Oh yeah, no, no, it's uh, and that's yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, but no, it's mm-hmm. something I noticed that they do in the show is that the second to last episode is the one that is the heart wrencher. The last Rock episode bottom of the yeah, season. The yeah. last episode gives you a little bit of hope, which I think is kind of brilliant pacing on Bingo. the part of the show. Yeah. But there's there's also there's another um, reason for that, I think, and it's that they're trying to get across the idea that these the the massive events that traditionally are what finishes a series there's things that happen after that mm. life continues to happen after that there is yeah. the come down the next morning you have mm. to deal with the consequences of whatever happened the night before it's not uncommon in tv though game of thrones does that they have their terrible event for the ninth episode and the tenth is sort of like the the, the immediate aftermath of that then leading on to the next season oh, okay. um so mm-hmm. it's 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 actually a good way of doing tv seasons because you're not just ending on a horrible cliffhanger of who did nugan or whatever his fucking name is kill with a baseball bat couldn't give a fuck <laughs> Um, and it gives you it gives you kind of a breath, yeah. And a you you can kind of de-stress a little bit from mm. the depression of yeah. of the town downer ending, as is the second to last episode of season one is called downer ending. But to go yeah. back to uh, um, the the actual uh, the the trip, his mother is you know don't sit too close to the TV; it'll make you cruel. And like I thought that. Like this makes Lucille Bluth and um, Mallory Archer seem like Mother of the Year. Bojack's mother yeah. is yeah. a monster. Wendy Malick is astounding. Yeah, yeah, she, yo, yeah. She, she's, like, she's got an incredibly funny voice, but she's the most cruel and hurtful woman. She um, sounds so cold yeah. all yeah. the time. There's just ice in her voice at all times. It's 
it really is. It's bone chilling. Mm. It's bone chilling. It's, it's the deliberacy mm. of. It, that's not even a word, is it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, deliberate. the deliberateness, yeah. maybe. Um, but the, the fact that she is delivering these um, these absolute stilettos of words that cut straight to his heart every time, mm. and she knows. Oh, yeah. She knows how it's much calculated. this is. This is this is not. Yeah. You know, a benignly neglectful parent. This is not somebody who's got so much of their own shit going on that they don't even realise the impact their behaviour is having. She's she abusing him. Knows. She is. Oh no, she willfully, willfully hates Potak. Absolutely. You, but yeah, she no, she levels the ruin of her body upon him, which is the recourse of the worst of mothers. Mm. I want to comment. The trip is one of my favourite moments of this entire season. Yeah. It takes us through so many of. Bojack's like he goes through a lot of his most embarrassing moments I feel like um there are a couple of shots of him as a child and then with his mother um basically all of his humiliation and it's almost the animation kind of reflects that as well he kind of gets he loses his outlines and then he kind of blends in with the background and then he becomes like just a pencil sketch it's like he's just continually being broken down as this trip as this hallucination goes on and the um the attacks from his mother wouldn't hurt anywhere near as much if bojack as a child wasn't animated so incredibly sweetly and just so innocent he's wearing a little sailor suit and he's got such a soft voice and he is the polar opposite of adult bojack he is ruined by his mother Mm, uh debbie you you wanted to say something oh yeah i i just wanted to comment um it's it's notable to me that so many times when we see abuse on TV and in movies, it's either physical or sexual. Yeah. That tends to be the shorthand for the worst, the character is the worst thing ever is one of those two types of abuse. And if it's a boy physical, if it's a girl sexual, if it's a really challenging thing, if it's a boy physical, but they never, it's, it's never this uh, yeah. they never put quite so much stock in how life ruining this can be and yeah it's and this is very real or not excuse me not physical but verbal and emotional abuse which is i think in real real life far more common those are by far the most common types of abuse i think May, I, I, that's that's me speaking. That may I may be completely wrong about no, that. No, no, but. you're right because there's the 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 the, unspo- the 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 written laws that state you cannot molest your children, you cannot beat your children, which is the thing that uh, a lot of the particularly elderly. Oh, you still can't even beat your children now. Um, like like that was a like that was a wonderful thing that you used to be able to do. I used to bounce home from work, looking forward to smacking my kids. But there's, there's, <laughs> there's, no there's no law that says you can't be cutting and horrible to your children. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and they'll remember it. They'll remember every single word. Absolutely, and I, I think yeah. that's one of the reasons why it 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 can actually be one of the most common forms of abuse because it's so hard to spot, and so it's so hard to stop, and also it's so easy to repeat. If if it's something that you've um, that you know you've gone through as a child, it's to to say here's my line I will never hit my kids. You can do that, but to say here's my line I will never speak harshly to my kids. That is such a hard boundary to maintain. 
Well, and we're all human, and everyone says things to people they love that they regret. I mean, that just happens. Yeah. And it it mm-hmm. doesn't mean – it, and that doesn't mean you're a bad parent just because, you know, you screw up and say – and say something off to your kids occasionally. I think I think yeah. every parent does at some point. Yeah. Beatrice's crime is that she does it on purpose and she does it repeatedly because she wants yep. to and hurt the guy that the kid who ruined her life as far as she's concerned. Yeah. And she yeah. never she doesn't care. No, and you yep. see her yeah. um, further down the line and she's exactly the same. She hasn't adjusted her perspective one iota. She doesn't regret anything. No, either. the idea at least of not her ever no, not at all. To Bojack is just—it would never happen. He's just a disappointment. Mm. <sighs> what do you want, Mom? Look who finally decided to pick up the phone. Do you need more blood? I don't need blood. I read your book, Bojack. Oh. It takes a real narcissist to think anyone wants to buy a book about him. You know how I feel about Anne Frank. That was a diary. I read the parts about me. The things I said to you. You must think I'm a real monster. Mom. I don't want to fight you, Bojack. I just wanted to tell you, I know. I know you want to be happy, but you won't be, and... I'm sorry. What? It's not just you, you know. Your father and I, we, well, you come by it honestly, the ugliness inside you. You were born broken. That's your birthright. And now you can fill your life with projects, your books and your movies and your little girlfriends, but it won't make you whole. You're Bojack Horseman. There's no cure for that. Anyway, do you remember who directed the Philadelphia story? Five letters, second letter U. Lubitsch? <sighs> no, Bojack. Goodbye. Uh, let's not take, uh, you know, completely leave off the hook Butterscotch Horseman, his father, who basically was similarly shitty in cutting to him and then left washing his hands of the whole thing. Yeah, Butterscotch, I think, had the sort of blue-collar-in-a-white-collar world problem where he always felt inferior, so he had to lash out at the people around him. And the only person nearby who he could easily exert his superiority over was his son, his tiny son. And even Bojack says that, um, yeah, Butterscotch resented his mother as well because she came, she was a a socialite, she came from money, and he hated her for that as well. And clearly she's as awful to her husband as she is to her son. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Notably, things actually probably would have been better for Bojack had he had lost both his parents at that age and then gone to live with two other orphans with a kindly horse. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not joking. Um, horsing around is exemplary of what Bojack kind of wishes he'd been able to do at, at that yeah. age, and him. That's kind of what he needed. Yeah. So, so when he speaks to the kids when the cameras are off, he is tender and and supportive of them, and it's something he should. <sighs> Yes, <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> Relative to how he is with everybody else. Um, oh sure, sure. And, and he's a lot more supportive of that little girl in the in um, uh, Ethan around. You know, far far later. We won't talk about that yet. But the yeah. um, 
uh, having been through the ringer himself. But the thing is, he was supposed to then do better than his parents. He was supposed to look after these kids, make sure that when they were going through the whole, the uh, TV network ringer, they weren't torn up and spat out the other side. And he tries a lot harder with those kids mm-hmm. than he does with anyone else, I think. Um, after the the uh, mother sit, the whole trip thing is very intricate. Um, uh, the it the, is Sharon. It's you, one of the episodes that really goes, shows oh. off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sharon, you noted that when he uh, um, dreams, he's drowning underwater and he's in the pool, and that he's also being observed, as in the painting of the horse that appears to be trapped under ice in a pool that's sitting up in Bojack's own office. Um, that. I don't know if, no, if this was something that they knew that they were doing in the first season, but the fact that Secretariat died by throwing himself into water is significant to Bojack. Mm. He he talks about um, his own death. I can't remember when it is, whether it's it's later on, but he talks about how he envisions his passing out of this world being. Um, and it's it's basically that he will reach a point where he's done everything he wants to do, and then he will just go into the water and stop swimming. Um, and right, there are so many instances of him being submerged in water being particularly significant to his emotional progress at that time. Um, the intro credits, yeah, just baptism after the, baptism, absolutely, absolutely, the silent episode. And that's and that, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yep. And this is this is the thing because he's kind of because he's modelled himself after secret, uh, Secretariat. It's he's almost like doomed himself. He's, yeah, he's programmed himself to believe that he will leave this world in the same manner that Secretariat did. Um, and the the idea of that submergence in water. Every time Bojack goes into the water as the series progresses, he comes out, but Secretariat didn't. Mm. Um, and that's something that he keeps coming back to. Mm. I think one thing that's kind that of is, an interesting oh. thing to to think about too is that Secretariat kind of, uh, you know, tragically died in his prime, but Bojack continues on, and he's definitely past his prime, and he's not as significant or relevant as he used to be. Mm. Um, this is apparently this is something that crops up quite a lot in in um, people who had. Uh, parents or um, or role models who died young, um, and they they reach a point in their life where they are the same age as as that person was when they died, mm. and suddenly it's like they don't know what to do anymore. They don't know how their life is supposed to play out now because that person that they were patterning themselves after, they stopped at that point. Mm. One thing that I found particularly interesting is that in the show. Um, Secretariat commits suicide in 1973. In reality, the real Secretariat retired in 1973. He was seven or three years old. This was just after winning the Triple Crown and spent the rest of the time basically being a stud. Um, but I think it's kind of interesting that essentially the show is taking the position that once his career is done, so is his life. Mm. And that's very much where Bojack is as a character. His career is when we first meet him basically done on the skids the fact that he managed to pick it up again later is nothing short of miraculous well that's that's and, a common perception yeah. of, of yeah. racehorses that they you know they, yeah. they do the dance and they mm. run as many runs as they can and then they're done and yeah. it, it's secretary not- had actually retired early <laughs> yeah 
So the, yeah. but the, mm-hmm. the whole sort of, um, you know, athletes have only got so many years in them. Celebrities have only got so much life in them until people don't want to know about them anymore. And then in, in the public eye, it, it almost seems like they might as well just stop. But of course they don't. They, they have to carry on after keep that's running. done with and keep running. Oh, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Well, Sarah Lynn actually says that at one point, too, where she's like, oh, yeah, you know, or I, I, one of the characters remarks about that, like, she's she's 30 now and, and not sexy anymore. So who cares about her? Hmm. It's notable, too, that Secretariat was 27 when he killed himself. And yeah, how many celebrities have either hmm. off themselves or died tragically when they were 27? Yeah. Jim Morrison, uh, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Hendrix, Kurt Cobain, yeah, Kurt Cobain, Kurt Cobain yeah. Amy Winehouse, so many. Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, Heath Ledger wasn't twenty-seven, was he? I was just wondering uh, that myself. <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. I think, I well, think he was a little bit older, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, I'm I checking IMDb right now. <laughs> um, Twenty-eight. 28 out. Oh, 20, oh. Just close. Yeah. Yeah. Close. Yeah. Oh, God, it was my age. One of the other, one of the other things I love about um, this episode in particular that we've been Into talking about, I, the, yeah, um, was it downer ending? Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a, yeah. there's a yeah. point yeah. where, there's a point where he kind of somehow wanders onto a ghostwriter's convention. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Diane is there, and I think That's he, he knows that, yeah, somehow he knows that Diane's going to be there as, as he's just coming out of it. This was one of the the big moments for me where I first realized, like, oh, this show has a lot more going on for it than, than I first thought. But he basically gets onto the mic and says, oh, I have a question for Diane, and um, this is after all this stuff comes out about his, all the things that he's done, and, and her book has, has now leaked a little bit and he says look you're a better writer than i could ever be publish the book as it is you know do it with the warts and all but he can't stand the thought of diane thinking of him as this like horrible terrible person which is how he thinks he's been depicted and he keeps repeating yeah i got a question oh thank god my question is for diane look i'm sorry about all the stuff i said about you earlier we can publish the book you wrote you're obviously a better writer than I am, and, and I don't actually even really care what the world thinks about me anymore. I just hated reading that book because I hated feeling like that's how you saw me. Because I guess you know me better than anybody, and if you think that... Um, I, I guess my question is, do you, do you think it's too late for me? What? I mean, am, am, am I just doomed to be the person that I am? The, the person in that book? It's not too late for me, is it? It's not too late. Diane, I need you to tell me that it's not too late. Bojack, I... I, I... I need you to tell me that I'm a good person. I know that I can be selfish and narcissistic and self-destructive, but underneath all that, deep down, I'm a good person, and I need you to tell me that I'm good. Diane, tell me, please, Diane, tell me that I'm good. Hey, aren't you the horse from horsing around? You know, I, I, do, I need you to tell me that I'm a good person. Could you please just tell me that I'm good? Tell me that I'm a good person. 
I uh, that, that actually, absolutely yeah. floored me. Uh, that actually relates to my favorite line from the first season when he's auditioning for the Secretariat movie and he starts doing the lines clear that he's talking about himself, even though it's the lines on the page. Can I ask you a question? When you're out there on that there racetrack, what are you running from? You want to know the truth? Nothing. Everyone's running from something, sugar. No, I'm, I'm running from nothing. I'm terrified of nothing. People come up to me, they want my autograph, they want my picture. They think they recognize something in me. And I want to be that person that they think I am, but I'm not. They see a greatness in me and they mistake it for goodness, but I, I know there's nothing there. As fast as I run, I can't get away from that. They see greatness in me and they mistake it for goodness. Mm-hmm. I love that line. Mm-hmm. And he's... Yes. And, and, and then you get that, then you get his uh, confrontation with Diane there and he needs to know whether he actually is good or whether this is just greatness in him. And even that's starting to wear off. Yeah. And again, and it, what does she say to Mr. Peanut Butter on more than one occasion? You're a good boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A good dog. Good dog. Which he and is. He is good through and through. <laughs> and she can't answer Bojack no. when he asks yeah, that she, question. She says nothing. Yeah, it's just silence until somebody gets up and just goes, hey, are you the horse from horsing around? Like, yeah. Is Adam, Adam Conover. I still didn't finish uh, the, uh, the the whole trip thing because there's a whole oh. backloaded thing. Um, after the scene with his mother and then the drowning, um, or the just being trapped under ice uh, in his own swimming pool, um, is the, there's a peanuts moment where Diane is Lucy with her, you know, <laughs> doling out yeah. the sarcastic so advice. It's so Hilarious. charming, uh, as is peanuts. Uh, even like with a little Mr. Peanut Butter as Snoopy uh, bit in there. And. It's because everything is in Bojack's head. It's really just all the, uh, you know, it, it's just the simple advice he can offer himself um, using the, the best aspect of himself that he can think of is, is exemplified as Diane, but in a simplified childish peanuts way. Um, but then it melts into the idyllic setting of the road. Like basically, it cuts to an elderly version of Todd going, this is the life you chose. This is the road you travel because it, it's, um, it's cut back several times to uh, the dear Charlotte. Um, now, we haven't really mentioned Charlotte before. She comes in very important in uh, season two. But um, uh, a friend of, a mutual friend of he, he and Herb Kazaz when they were um, working uh, the comedy circuit. And um, it, basically, he did not pursue that romantic relationship and always wondered what would have happened. And we get to basically play out this whole fantasy of a normal life. And we get to see, you know, I'm pregnant and then the baby is born and then he, you know, he's being a a father with a a baby. And just incredible, like, this is the best part of himself idealized in his head is, you know, he just happens to take to fatherhood incredibly well. And then she's a younger girl and he's uh, extremely good at handling her there. And then she's a teenager and his whole life has gone by and he's now older than he actually is when we know him or at least he's starting to gray uh, yeah. maybe maybe he is naturally gray but keeps dyeing his hair black actually now that i think about it yeah. but uh, it's been long enough that she could actually be a teenager now that i think about it but this is the road he didn't choose and it is heartbreaking to watch that then melt away yeah you you become attached to this daughter who doesn't actually exist yeah, mm-hmm. yeah when when they're swimming and she, daddy parker 
And I, just every time she says daddy, he always responds with her name. It was just... Is it Parker or Harper named after Harper Lee? It might have been... Oh, no, I think it's Harper. Harper. Yeah. yeah, you're right. No, it's Harper. Like I said, the, the, they, they, they play out these seasons so well. You've got the Rolling Stones wild horses with a montage of these various characters sort of, you know, pulling their lives back together. Just it's like some of the most effective mm. TV I've ever seen, and the fact that it's yeah. this relatively crudely animated, like it's not a richly animated show. It's very simplistic and, and sparing. Um, just playing through with these just incredibly expressive moments, you know, it, it's up there with the best of cinema drama for me, which is always. I mean, technically, yeah. surely TV drama should outrank cinema because you have far longer to really get to know the characters. But I suppose cinema can be sharper in shorter time. Mm. That's the same reason why writers tend to, when you're, uh, I I went to college for creative writing, and when you study stuff, you don't study novels, you study short stories, because short stories are much quicker and get to the point a lot more easily, and you have to basically fit a lot more emotional arc in a shorter space. That's how you learn, that's how a lot of writers, at least in the university system, learn to write, Mm -hmm. is by learning short stories, not novels. And that's basically a, a movie is a short story. Yeah. It's a short, not a yard of ale. Yeah. Um, so, I think, any more to say on season one before we move on to season two? Uh, I'm good. I think I'm good. Cool. Right. I'm ready See, to move on. Yeah. Season two after the music then, folks. In fact, season two and three will be next week. But no sweeping exit Oh, half stage line To make me feel bitter Or treat you And 